Welcome to the Proclaim podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. Hello and welcome to the Proclaim podcast. I'm Eric Chow, director for Proclaim, and I'm here with another special guest. Her name is Hannah Powell. Hannah is the discipleship formation coordinator for St. Patrick's Parish, which happens to be my home parish. I'm so proud to be part of that community. And and Hannah works as the discipleship formation mm-hmm. coordinator. So mm-hmm. welcome, Hannah. I'm so glad that you've taken the time to be on the podcast with me. Thank you. Very excited to be here. So we're just going to start with an easy question. We're, we're going to talk about a bunch of things, but we're, we're just going to start with, um, you know, you sharing with us a little bit about your story. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, born and raised in a Catholic family, um, my parents, Andrew and Brett Powell, shout out to them. Um, they were very intentional with spreading the Catholic faith. Um, it wasn't just Sunday masses. It wasn't just rosaries. It was the idea that Jesus actually made your life better and how they handled life, how they handled stress, sorrow. Like it just exuded everything that they wanted for all of us kids. Um, So I can honestly say that it was wonderful growing up in that household. I love them both very, very much. Um, It wasn't until I would say like undergrad, college, where I wanted to kind of be different, you know, kind of differentiate myself from them, which is actually a very normal thing. Um, And I realized that my faith, especially like this Catholic faith, was only existent because of them. And I wanted to make them happy and because I love them so much. So my thing was not believing that God didn't exist because I always thought he existed and I always thought Jesus existed. It was actually believing that he wanted anything to do with me because I can never be as holy or devout as my parents. So I lived with that for about two, three years when a personal encounter came um, as well as the pandemic came. Um, I was dealing with a lot. I was going through a tough relationship loss. I was completing my honors undergrad, lots of research, lots of study, lots of time in front of a computer. And I realized that I couldn't care less about the faith unless it was for mom and dad. And I didn't like that. And I didn't like how it made me feel. And I didn't like the idea of Jesus not being in my life. So, um, I remember feeling tugged into just a very personal intimacy with Jesus. And I say the word intimacy because that is how it felt. It just felt extremely personal and it felt very loving. And I couldn't ignore it any longer. I tried, um, but I couldn't ignore it. And I would say my personal encounter was like weeks um, before an actual thing happened in my bedroom. Like it was weeks of reading the Bible. It was talking to a spiritual director. It was actually going to counseling as well, um, dealing with other human things. And I'll never forget the day that I was sitting in my black beanbag chair and all of a sudden it just clicked almost for the first time ever that who I was individually was just as loved and so beloved it didn't matter who my parents were it didn't matter what they did for a living it didn't matter all that mattered was that my identity was i'm the daughter of a king and i remember crying laughing cry laughing and then i ended it with just scribbling in my journal and it was just i'll never forget that day it was just so beautiful yeah what a story yeah (laughs) what a story 
Yeah, yeah. you're reminding me of John Paul II's definition of conversion mm -hmm. and he says that conversion is accepting by personal decision yes. the saving sovereignty of Jesus Christ and yeah. becoming his disciple yeah so your story is kind of wrapped up in all of that mm -hmm. regardless of the context and you know the the faith that your parents had given to you yeah. you accepted by personal decision Jesus mm -hmm. as Lord yeah 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 and I'm so glad I did that's so cool yeah here in proclaim we talk very much about the twofold call that Jesus makes to those first disciples. Yeah. Follow me, mm -hmm. the first call. And the second call is, I will make you a fisher of men. Mm. So I try to ask most of our guests, you know, what does it mean in your own words to be a missionary disciple? Yeah. So as I was preparing for this question, I found myself kind of gravitating towards like definitions and um, certain documents that popes have written. But I actually felt myself writing more about how someone would look and how someone mm. would be and like occupy their per their person and I just I wanted to talk more about that than actual definitions so to me what a missionary disciple means is someone who is on fire for the Lord and who is open and loves to learn and specifically embodies this message of love and mercy and I went into like the senses of you can smell like their aroma of steadiness and just trust in the Lord. Um, you can see like joy, gratitude on their face. Um, and it's the way they hold themselves. Like their biggest identifying trait ever is that they are a son or daughter of the Lord. And um, they're patient with people too. Um, Pope Francis actually does talk about this, how he is very specific with how we should journey with people every step of the way as missionary disciples. And the Holy Spirit guides mostly everything they do. And I say mostly because we're all human and we do questionable things. <laughs> but also a missionary disciple is someone who takes their baptismal vows really seriously. That they are priests and that they, are, they offer sacrifice. Um, they are king and that they serve. And then they're a prophet, which means to teach. And it's because of who they are and how they occupy their person that people are like, what is it? Like, what's going on? Like, what do they have that I don't? And it's in that also intimate romantic love that they can't help but tell people about it. And it's just, it's just almost, it just comes out. It's just like, it's just out there all the time. And yeah, I think, I think I'll stop there. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, I haven't told our listeners yet that part of uh, the reason why I wanted to bring you onto podcast mm -hmm. is because I wanted to open up the topic of spiritual conversations. Mm. And just just by the way you answered the question in your own words, what does it mean to be a missionary disciple, mm. uh, just confirms that you're the right person to talk <laughs> about this right now. Mm. Um, spiritual conversations is a topic that comes up regularly in Proclaim, whether mm -hmm. it's online or through our training. Mm -hmm. People want to know, how do you start spiritual conversations? How do you have meaningful conversations with the people that you love, that you work with, that you interact with, mm -hmm. that could help them come to an encounter with Jesus to have a conversion to accept by personal decision mm -hmm. uh, the saving sovereignty of Jesus mm -hmm. so this is the topic that we're going to talk about mm -hmm. right now and given your background and, and some of your your education with counseling given your mm -hmm. work at the parish I think you've got a lot of insights <laughs> to at the very least start with some of the basics of uh, how to bring about the possibility of spiritual conversations mm -hmm. and we're going to start with I'd say the importance of building mm. relational 
trust. So Mm -hmm. Hannah, what does that mean? What does building relational trust mean to you? Well, first of all, I'll, I'll reference my dad here that trust is everything in relationships. And dad often speaks in bold and italicized font. We make fun of him for that, but he's awesome because of it. Um, But building relational trust to me means always checking in on your deposits in the emotional bank account. So the deposits are like the good things that you've done in relationship. And that can range from offering to drive somewhere, or that can be something like bringing someone a coffee when they said they'd get it themselves. It's just things like that. And honestly, it's hard work because it's actually daily little fiats and daily little interactions every single day. Um, And you build relational trust with daily tasks. Um, And as I was thinking about how I wanted to answer this question, like I was thinking of kind of four C's, um, their consistency, compassion, communication, and competency. And when I say consistent, it means that you're consistent in your principles and you're consistent with who you are and you're the same person with every single person in front of you and you live a life of integrity. Um, Context matters, of course, but you're the same person. Um, The second part, and I think the part that I really gravitate towards just because, like you said, like it's counseling, is just a genuine care about the growing relationship. So you have compassion and you remember things. So important test dates, surgery dates, someone told you they went shopping, ask them what they got. Like just ask the second question. Um, You say thank you all the time, even for the small things. Like thank you for, I'm going to say holy grounds because I see this every day. Thank you for baking cookies that you didn't have to make when I know you have family over. Like just acknowledging that people don't have to do these things. They're not entitled to serve, but they want to. And so it's up to you to kind of honor that. Um, And next is just communication. Um, I think this is, I can't remember what chapter this is, but um, in a verse it says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, which means You mean what you say and you say what you mean and you're open to feedback, criticism, no matter what position you hold in ministry. And I think that's really important to say. Um, My dad also used to tell me to never assume that you're the smartest person in the room and everyone is worth listening to, every single person. Um, Also, to build relational trust means you maintain confidentiality, you hold conversations with fragility, um, you avoid the gossip, even if it means you're going to be the one that's misunderstood. Um, and you communicate in a way, honestly, that brings glory to God and that you're his lips and what he wants to say in that moment. Um, also, you're competent, kind of like you're maintaining your responsibilities. You do them well. And everything is done with intentionality, including like emptying the dishwasher, sleeping the floor. Just everything is done with intent and care. Um, And I think when you do all these things, you build trust and people start to trust you so that, like you said, that can lead the way to more intimate spiritual conversations that really have a lot to do with the heart of the person in front of you. I'm a little bit speechless right now because I'm absolutely (laughs) loving what you're saying. But at the same time, I'm realizing uh, like for those who are who are listening in, mm-hmm. uh, thinking this is about spiritual conversation, we're not even talking about spiritual conversations. We're actually very much talking about spiritual conversations oh. because <laughs> really, I'd say uh, spiritual conversations is like 98% all of the things that you just said 
right? The oh, building yeah. of the relational trust. And then yeah. the 2% of the skill of actually having mm-hmm. the spiritual conversation. Because mm-hmm. if you laid the groundwork, if you tilled the soil, if yeah. if you if you've done all of what you've you've suggested and, and shared with mm-hmm. authenticity and great love mm-hmm. when the moment comes that the Holy Spirit is moving in someone else's heart mm-hmm. uh, you're gonna be right there yeah and, uh, and they're gonna have trust that you're gonna hold them with care mm-hmm. and with dignity and uh, it with patience and and yeah. you'll listen to what th- they have to say mm-hmm. and they'll listen to what you have to say so it isn't even about the technique of how to share the gospel mm-hmm. or to how to open conversations which we can talk about uh, you know training and you know transitions yeah. and all that yeah. it's really about understanding 98 percent of our work is building this relational relational trust yeah and when that's that's your foundation then mm-hmm. you can almost talk about anything really yeah 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 so true and especially like if we are going to talk about like the spiritual things like the doctrines and the theologies some are hard to get not just intellectually but it's a narrow way for a reason. It's it's a hard life. And yep. so when you have trust with someone, they filter what you're saying with that trust. And it's like, I know that they want what's best for me because of what you said, which is the yeah. 98% of everything else because of how they've shown that they love me and all of that. Yeah. 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 I know you talked about um, trying to go through definitions and mm-hmm. like looking at, you know, church documents and scriptures to yeah. help offer some... Uh, some understanding of mm-hmm. that term missionary disciple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am going to go back to a, a paragraph in Evangelion Nutiandi, Evangelization in the Modern World, that speaks mm-hmm. about witness. Mm-hmm. And there's a line in there where it says that like your witness of life and your witness of word should cause other people to say, why are they like this? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you put tone to that, uh, w- the question should very, very much be about like expressing why are they like this in the most positive sense, mm-hmm. not yeah. like why do they go to mass on Sundays? Why do they pray? Yeah, uh, with a with a sort of an understanding or or thinking that like they do this, but they have no idea why, or yeah. it, it has no impact in their life. Like mm-hmm. the, the the questions that come up really is about um, a longing for them to have what you have. Yeah, right. Like to to observe and see the joy that you're exuding, to observe and Mm -hmm. see the way in which you serve others well. And that question now becomes, why are you like this? Because there's something that I want, which then opens up conversations that may not even get to spiritual things yet, but Mm -hmm. at the very least starts the conversation around maybe um, small changes in my life that I want to make as a result of being around you. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, and and it's, it's doing all the things that you just, you just suggested. Yeah. And I think I just want to add one thing that I think part of that also is living in a way that like lets other people know that that, yeah, like that's possible. Like you can also have this too. And it's just full of humility and full of like, wait till you see what the Lord has in store for you kind of thing. Yeah. I'm excited as I'm talking about this. Oh, that's, that's (laughs) so good. I have another question I'm going to ask and it kind of builds on this relational trust, but it now hones in on a bit of like ministry context. Mm -hmm. So why is relational trust important in ministry and how does it relate to having spiritual conversations? Mm. First of all, so important. It's relational trust is very important. Um, like I said, it's the emotional bank account. Um, And also in ministry, you're working with people who are volunteers. You're working with people who are paid staff. And that actually shouldn't matter in the way that you treat people, um, especially in a job like ministry. Um, I also think it's important that 
these conversations with people in ministry might be incredibly important because it may be the first conversation that someone has had with someone who's Catholic in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Or it could be a conversation where someone brings something up to you where it took immense bravery and courage to even ask the question. Handle that with care. Like I almost want to, it's so important to me at least to be fragile and those stories are holy ground. I feel like I had to throw that in there at least once. (laughs) But it's true that to watch what you say and to also call on the Holy Spirit in that moment I can't tell you how many times that I've sat or I've stood at holy grounds and someone will come in and I'll notice the conversation kind of veering towards something spiritual, like there's perhaps some wrestling going on. And immediately I'll just say, okay, come Holy Spirit, tell me what to say. As opposed to come Holy Spirit, tell me what a practicing Catholic who believes in this and that is supposed to say. Just because I feel like the first one is a little bit more docile And it gives a chance for the Holy Spirit to say, actually, you're not supposed to say anything. Just listen. And I think the listening over speaking is a posture that people in ministry should, I don't want to say should, I don't like the word should, um, but just be more open to. Hmm. I think I answered the question, but I think I went off a little bit. No, that makes sense. A lot of what you do in ministry is uh, centered or uh, physically uh, situated in this holy grounds place, which for our listeners, um, if you haven't heard some of our previous podcasts, we've talked about St. Patrick's and Mm -hmm. the Holy Grounds Cafe that has has been opened there. Really, it was the old parish center, the parish hall that now has become kind of the hub, the heart, the Mm -hmm. the space where uh, parishioners, seekers, guests uh, can come Mm -hmm. have a cup of coffee sit down and get to know people within our parish community yeah a lot of the conversations are just about life and and different things but every now and then uh, just by the power of the holy spirit and by the by virtue of all of us seeking something Mm -hmm. uh, the conversation moves towards spiritual conversations yeah Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Hannah. I'm going to ask a question that I didn't ask you to prepare for. Okay. <clears throat> but uh, you've seen various uh, expressions of con- spiritual conversations happen mm-hmm. at Holy Grounds, whether it's through faith studies mm. or Alpha or some other types of ministry. Yeah. Um, so my question is, like, what, what do you observe in, in the people uh, that are engaged in these conversations. So it's not even mm. about now, like some of your wisdom, that, which mm. you've already shared, but now an observation of what you see, th- like in 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 these different groups that come into holy grounds, and and who are engaged in spiritual conversations. Mm-hmm. The first thing that I notice is usually how physically close people are to each other in a way that shows me that there's trust there and there's a relationship there first. Um, That's a big one. Um, And also what I see in the spiritual conversations is lots of smiling, um, lots of tears too, which I think is that people are not afraid of emotions no matter what they are. Um, and they give space for all kinds of emotions, for sadness, for anger, for happiness. 
that is actually quite beautiful to see um, just because emotions are just like messengers of what's going on. Like emotions don't have a moral code. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see, honestly see and feel a lot of love and a lot of people who have, I think the best types of spiritual conversations are the ones that are focusing more on the person's heart and the person's story. And they're asking the second question, not just like the first one where it's, you kind of understand where they're coming from spiritually, but the second one of like, what do you mean by that? Or like, why do you think that? Or was there a reason that you thought that? Like, is there something more to this question? Like it's, and I'd say that's more of a here thing. I'm going with all the senses, but yeah. No, that's yeah. great. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly where I was uh, hoping you'd go. Because mm. um, as you've been saying that, I'm imagining seeing some of these conversations as yeah. well. And yeah, it's it's not two people standing up with their arms crossed. Uh, it's two people sitting down, leaning in. Yeah. Uh, eye contact. Mm-hmm. You can see there's intent. Mm-hmm. There's. Uh, you can almost sense the empathy that's mm-hmm. like that's being um, moved between the the two individuals. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think those are very important. And and I think when you see that occurring, you you also see that there's been um, the the person that's guiding or accompanying mm-hmm. the, the seeking individual, that person is providing space. Yes. And I'd say space is like the silence mm-hmm. um, that's that's required between um, conversation. Mm-hmm. It's space for people to think about what what's been asked or mm-hmm. the the, mm-hmm. the thoughts uh, that's that's being put uh, put forward. Yeah. But I'm also thinking space physically mm-hmm. in that they're sitting in a in a place where they feel comfortable. Yeah. They're like they're across from each other at a mm-hmm. table. They're not they're not standing. They're not um, transitory. Yeah. They're they're intent and committed to the conversation at hand. Yeah. yeah. And I would even say too, like this is probably not the first time they've been together either. Like in sitting That's in true. holy grounds. Yeah. Like, and I I don't think I've ever seen a really like intense and beautiful spiritual conversation happen where I haven't seen those people three or four times before right. talking about life, not necessarily talking about spiritual stuff, which is something I think you mentioned just right. earlier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You you would meet some people that would come into Holy Grounds. You mm-hmm. were telling me today that there were some people yeah. that just came into Holy Grounds mm-hmm. at a, just randomly, really, because yeah. they were seeking something. They kind of knew we were around. Yeah. They knew we had something going. Yeah. And those conversations are very different from the conversations that you have had with people that you've now had interactions with over the past year yeah. or six months or a yeah. few months. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I think that's that's also a key is to maybe not jump into those spiritual conversations right away, especially if you don't know the heart of the person in front of you. Right. And that's like, I always um, tell the faith study leaders at St. Pat's that the person who made your heart is the one who's going to take care of it the best. So Amen. it makes sense for you to call on him and be like, how do you want me to take care of this person's heart? Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Now there is no doubt that someone listening here is thinking about how they're going to have a conversation, a spiritual conversation mm. with a family member mm. or someone mm. that they're very close to, yeah. a friend, a cousin, um, a colleague, and they're wondering how in the world mm. are they going to kind of bring this up or you know, provide the soil that mm. could open up a spiritual conversation. Yeah. Any thoughts to that? 
well, even as you said that, like my heart kind of dropped because those are so complicated and there's a lot riding on them. Oh man. Yeah. That's a hard one. I want to say like it's the months and it's the years before too. Um, and that also may be hard to hear, but it's never too late. I also want to say that never too late. Um, I think too that when you have that trust and when you have that love, people will assume good intentions about you. And I think also what's important to even listening well to these people, especially family members, is to know where they're at spiritually and know that the first step of change is awareness. And if they're not even aware of something, have mercy and compassion on them that they may not get there for a while they might not get there for years months and i want to say too that for those who are listening who maybe have like a conversation they want to have i think i want to say to ask the lord how they should go about that and to know that you are never alone in those conversations and to know that you, while you love them and perhaps want the best for them, you are not their savior. And you can pray for people as much as you talk to them about these things. Yeah. Perhaps even more so, actually. Yeah. 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 I think uh, a lot of our Proclaim members have mentioned that, that they continue to pray fervently, yeah. to fast for their family members, yeah. to, to pray that God would open an opportunity mm-hmm. and a lot of the times the opportunity just isn't there yeah uh, a phrase that comes to mind as you're saying that is that proclamation can't outpace the relationship mm-hmm. um, yes. so we can't we can't be in a place where we feel so convicted that we have to sp- preach the gospel yeah. to an individual if the relationship is not allowing for it yeah um, so we can't even invite someone or I guess we certainly we can make the invitation if they say no to it mm-hmm. then then really that's that's as far as it goes yeah and part of uh, what what our role is in 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 responding to that isn't to express disappointment although mm-hmm. we might be disappointed mm-hmm. internally but to say i'm gonna make an invitation whether you say yes or no i'm still gonna love you yeah. whether you say yeah. yes or no we're gonna go have dinner yes <laughs> and and still enjoy each other's company yeah 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 exactly and really I don't want to say love them where they're at because I feel like that's so overdone and it's just something that's so misused now, but it's so true just to love them where they're at and how you can love the person or the family member in front of you is going to be different for the other family member. Yep. So, yeah. 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 We can have the disposition of mm -hmm. discontent. Like I'm discontent with where someone in my life is at in terms of their relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Uh, But my actions aren't going to... um, uh, be animated by that discontent mm-hmm. it should be animated by where that person is yeah. and the love that I have for them and so if yeah. they're closed to an invitation to have a spiritual conversation or to respond to an invitation mm-hmm. um, if they're close to it and you know they're close to it mm-hmm. we can be discontent internally yeah. with that but yeah. we also have to know the relationship matters yeah. and where they're at is very very important yeah. to how we respond to them yeah exactly so mm-hmm. as missionary disciples, how can we listen well to others mm-hmm. and what are we listening for? Yeah. So I actually think there's almost two steps before listening well. And the first one that I wanted to say was 
there's got to be a mindset shift with these conversations and how intentional every single conversation we have should be. And I wrote this quote down because I wanted to get it right because I think it's so important. It's from C.S. Lewis. He says that next to the blessed sacrament, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. So just knowing that I think will help us really understand how intentional these conversations should be and almost give us pause in the moment. And the next point before we can even listen, I think is to notice people first. And I was praying with this and an image actually came into my head. Um, it's, it's in the Bible. It's the story of the women who the scribes wanted to stone and they kind of bring her over and they say, look, Jesus, like she did these things. Like we have every right to stone her according to the law of Moses. Like, let's do it. And Jesus doesn't say anything. He kind of just stoops down, writes in the ground. And we know the rest of the story, but there's this beautiful verse in John, I believe it's chapter eight, where it says, when Jesus noticed none but the woman, he then said something, which I found so beautiful that he noticed first the woman. So maybe she was, maybe she had a bruised arm from the way that the scribes were dragging her. Maybe her hair was tangled, her earrings were in her hair and maybe she couldn't even look at Jesus like just in shame like mascara running down her face but he noticed her first and so I think before we can even begin to listen well we have to notice the people in front of us notice their body language notice how they're coming to you can they even look at you as they're asking this question do they have their arms crossed are they closed off from you did they take two steps behind when you ask them a question I think before we can even listen, we notice body language and we have to notice the nonverbals. Um, and then when we notice that, again, call on the Holy Spirit. Like he's the advocate. He's there for you. Like that's something that was promised to us. And again, it's the what would you like me to say? Leave it open. Leave it docile. And sometimes that is just, just listen. Like just be there. Just affirm and validate what they're saying. Um, and I think that also is something very particular, too. Um, you can affirm and validate the emotions and the story. And you can let the emotions come and go. And I would say to listen well, like avoid trying to pull people out of a certain place. Because you actually don't know if the Lord is asking them to abide in that for a while. Mm -hmm. um, we say in counseling a lot of times that you're not supposed to pull people out of the darkness you're supposed to sit in the darkness with them and help them climb the ladder with tools that you give them. I feel like it's the same thing when you listen well to others is you're with them through and through. And that's also something that I mentioned before, which is to be a missionary disciple, which is what Pope Francis said, which was to journey with them every single step of the way, including the steps that might make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And I think you've tied in a few things that you said earlier, mm -hmm. like we're not the savior and yeah. Jesus is. Yeah. And so Jesus is going to do the hard work mm -hmm. and, uh, and we're not looking to try to answer all of the questions for this individual that we're accompanying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God is going to answer those questions through yeah. an encounter yeah. and successful witnessing for us is, mm -hmm. you know, in the power of the Holy Spirit, like really loving the individual mm -hmm. as, as God permits us and, mm -hmm. and prompts us mm -hmm. with the expectation that God will move. 
yeah. and in his time will move in another person's life. Yeah. So exactly. I think you've really just uh, summarized a lot there. You said a lot for us to uh, to to ponder mm-hmm. and reflect on because mm-hmm. I think while it sounds like it sounds like all of um, how do I put this? It really just sounds like you know live well with others. It it really is hard to do. Yeah. It's it's really hard to do on a day to day basis. Yeah. yeah, especially when there's a lot at stake. Mm-hmm. Not just in terms of salvation, but mm-hmm. in terms of our own relationship with others. Yeah, yeah we're constantly uh, mindful of the fact that if we take a misstep, is that going to challenge our relationship? If mm. we push the boundaries, if we uh, invite in a in an incorrect way, you know, mm-hmm. how does that ha- like how does that um, how does that impact the relationship? But I think all of what you said earlier with the four C's and yeah. all of that really just gives uh, a strength of foundation to say, you know, small missteps will happen in yeah. every relationship. Yeah. If we continue to be faithful with building relation, relational trust, knowing that every now and then we might make those missteps, then mm-hmm. the relationship can be strong enough to handle it. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah we, yeah, we break in relationships and we heal in relationships. Yeah. 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 Very good. One last question, and mm-hmm. this is just to our Proclaim listeners. You know, think about them. Uh, mm-hmm. What would you like to to encourage them with? You know, what's what's the last word that you want to leave them with? Honestly, that you can learn these things. Like, you can learn how to listen better. Like, you don't have to be born a really good listener. Like, you can do practical things, read some books um, on how to do this better. And I think I've said this now three times. Like, just ask the Holy Spirit to be there with you all the time. He's the advocate, the supporter, champion, all of those words couldn't happen if he didn't listen well to you. And I, yeah, I think that's the encouragement is that you can learn how to do it and there's always room for growth. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Let's leave it there. Mm -hmm. Hannah, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with our Proclaim community. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for you and for the work that you are doing Mm -hmm. at St. Patrick's and proclaiming Jesus to Uh, those in the community and abroad. Uh, And so to our Proclaim listeners, I hope you enjoyed this conversation and there was something that blessed you Mm. uh, in it. And if if it did, consider sharing it with someone that Mm. you know that Mm -hmm. could uh, could also be uh, a blessing to them. Uh, Like or subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. And of course, we are always with you in the mission Mm -hmm. to proclaim Jesus to our homes and our communities. So thanks again, Hannah. Amen. Yeah, you're welcome. This was fun. There you go. (laughs) 